sometimes forget that it's almost like joining the choir when you come to Claremont. <laughs> Five flats and parts in that one? My oh my. I was impressed. Beautiful. We sang another song that started off, uh, I'm so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has given. Wonderful things in the Bible I see. This is the dearest that Jesus loves me. And I'm thankful that, that that's one of them that we sang today because we're going to look at, at that, what he's given us, the gift he's given us by his word. Um, I met, a, met an inmate just last Thursday who had sent in uh, an, an inmate request slip. I keep wanting to call them kites because that's what they call them. But they send hundreds of these in uh, asking for stuff we can do and stuff we can't do. Uh, this one was a little different. Uh, he said, uh, well, I'll read it. I copied it down here. Um, you know, many of them, many of the inmates think that if they start following the law of God, they get exposed to it in his word, or maybe they were exposed to it before they got locked up, that that can somehow get them close to the Lord, uh, get them forgiven, uh, maybe get their case taken care of. There's quite a variety of reasons people might turn that way. It's good that they're turning to God for help, but their ignorance of God's word and his ways often send them down a wrong road. And this man, uh, his first name's Danny, wrote this, uh, Dear Chaplain, I have committed a very bad crime against God. I desperately need to talk to you and see see you for some godly counsel from the Bible. And I need you to lay hands on me and pray for me and give me your blessing. Please, sir. Again, I need advice from the Bible and I need to stop eating pork. Uh, thank you, God bless you. With tears and regret, Danny. Uh, it's amusing to us because we know that's not going to help him. Not, it's not going to get him to heaven. Certainly not going to beat his case. Um, and you never know, you get something like that, even though that sounded heartfelt, uh, was it? You know, sometimes it's manipulation. They're just trying to touch your heart. Uh, so you'll be sympathetic to whatever it is they want. So I went to see Danny and when he said, uh, with tears and regret, he met it. Uh, they uh, were so busy, they couldn't bring him to a separate room. And so a deputy took me down to see him in the day room. And he, uh, he came out, and as soon as he saw that 
it was a chaplain, uh, he burst into tears and said how grateful he was uh, that I came to see him. And he said, I've, I've done something so wicked, I murdered someone. There's a deputy standing right next to me, and he's confessing his crime openly. And he asked a number of different things, uh, but very heavy on his heart was the matter of uh, he wanted to stop eating pork because he'd read that. Other inmates probably pointed it out to him. Uh, that if you're going to follow God's law, that's one of the things you've got to follow. And it, he was really worried about that. That's the thing he wanted to deal with really before he dealt with anything else. And it's really the, the beauty of the law of God is it gets people's attention. And that's, why we have it according to God's word. Uh, Galatians 3, 24 and 25 says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. And the schoolmaster of, of God's law, the Mosaic law in this case, was a schoolmaster that, was, that God used to turn Danny to Jesus Christ. He received Christ as his Savior and recognizes that before God he's forgiven, but he is anxious to face the human court so he can face the consequences of his sin. So I think God was working with him once the, the, the fear of God entered his heart after he recognized the seriousness of what he did. And then it was compounded when he saw the law of God. I've seen that happen in other lives. If a person, not so much like Danny, because he was already humbled before the Lord, doesn't think they need uh, forgiveness. So often, sharing God's word breaks that pride and humbles them before the Lord. The, the fear of the Lord enters their heart based on what the law says. So it's a good thing that God's given it to us. Not that you, know, you need to be told that by me. You know it's good. There's nothing in there that's not good. But it's so useful when dealing with people that don't know the Lord and particularly outside of the jail, that think they're holy, or at least they're good enough to gain entrance into heaven. And then if you just share with them what the Ten Commandments say, they find out they're not good enough, that nobody is good enough, but that that's not the end of the story, and we can take them further into God's word. There was another man uh, that wanted a special diet, um, didn't know a thing about what he was claiming to be. He wanted a kosher diet because everybody thinks that's the, that's the thing to get these days. And uh, he had, I'd, he forgot that he'd seen me before. And he had proclaimed his faith in Christ. 
and now he was claiming to be Jewish. Uh, I can't remember his last name. His first name was Jose. Uh, it was a little bit of a stretch to think of him as Jewish. Uh, the, uh, but I challenged him about Christ. I said, you're Jewish? Yes, I'm Jewish. You're not a Christian? No, I'm not a Christian. I said, you know, you told me you were about two months ago. Are you going to deny Christ for a different meal? You seriously want to do that? You know what Christ is? He's your Savior. He bled and died to save your soul. You're going to trade him in for a different lunch? And he stood there and he hung his head and he says, no. I said, good decision. Now go read that Bible that we gave you. I will. It uh, doesn't always go like that when we talk to them. But God's word has to be the foundation in our lives. If it's not the foundation in our lives, like Jose, we could decide to trade Christ in on most anything. And we are hard-pressed to help others turn to Christ. Let's turn to Deuteronomy 6. Um, Betty and I are in Bible study fellowship and we're just winding up another week, two weeks of study of the life of Moses. And the life of Moses, according to Deuteronomy, is just about to end. God's already told him, you're going to die. Uh, you're not going into the promised land. Uh, and this is what's going to happen. You tell the people these things. And so God uh, had Moses uh, serve right to the end. Uh, remarkable things we have seen. Betty and our daughter Jennifer went to see the, uh, uh, what, is, what was that called? Dead Sea Scrolls exhibit in Los Angeles and came back just filled with amazement about how God's preserved his word, about uh, the, how amazing it was that people that have studied that that are obviously not believers are standing there proclaiming parts of the truth and recognizing that, you know, Israel was told to destroy these idols. Well, look what we found, idols. And it was a, a very interesting to me to hear both of them talk about how cute they were. Because, you know, when I thought of idols, I thought of idols. But apparently they were idols and easy to carry around. That explains the, you know, hiding them when... Uh, Isaac's wife, was it? No. Somebody's wife swiped her dad's idols. Well, it's easy to put them in your pocket if you have a pocket. Uh, but they were, they, both of them, they were so cute. I didn't think of them as being, you know, uh, visually attractive. But apparently they were. And they were saying, they were supposed to destroy these, but look what we found when we were excavating. Uh, what a shame when we don't obey God's word, his direct instructions. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God is commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God and keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you, 
you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, that you may multiply greatly in the, as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign upon your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you, when you have eaten and are full, then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him. You shall take, you shall take oaths in his name. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are all around you. For the Lord your God is a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, his testimonies and his statutes, which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with you, and that you may go in and possess the good land of which the Lord, which the Lord swore to your fathers to cast out all your enemies before you as the Lord has spoken. When your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you. Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe, against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all his household. Then he brought us out from there, that he might bring us in, to give us the land of which he swore to our fathers, and the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes which the Lord our God, to, all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is to this day. Then it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Over this past nine months, pretty much BSF is like a, a school year, uh, 
Uh, it's been so impressive to me personally about the holiness of God, his purity and his righteousness, and that he has not changed. He is the same God today that he was dealing with Moses and creating the nation of Israel. No change at all. He is just as holy, just as righteous, and has the exact same view of sin that he's always had. It hasn't changed. He hasn't lightened up on that. Even though it, to us it might seem like he has. Because we don't see usually the consequences of our sin the way they often did then. The way Danny did. He saw consequences from a major sin he committed. And so he realized right away he was in serious trouble. Often, as believers, we don't think we're in serious trouble. That we will avoid what we consider the big ones and ignore the ones that are hard for us to deal with. Wrong attitude, wrong tone in our voice. Um, allowing our, our thinking to go down a wrong path. The Lord doesn't bring down fire and brimstone on us when we fail. He brought it down on Jesus Christ. We were gathering to worship this morning, 9.30. He said, remember my death until I come again. I think it's significant that while we certainly remember his life and his resurrection and his ministry yet today, that he said, remember my death, because I've got a feeling we kind of would have set that aside. Because what's that mean? He had to die for me. He had to die to pay for my sin. Any of the sin that I commit, he paid for. I need to be conscious of that. And that's one of the things that I so thank the Lord for this, this year of study of his holiness and how he, on the one hand, hates sin, he judges sin. On the other hand, he's, he loves his people and always makes a way of redemption for them. Because it, the, the pressure that it puts on me to behave myself and to stop short of letting wrong thoughts take place. I uh, shared this with, with others just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, another chaplain came through and there was a note from an inmate who, uh, well, actually the, the note was from his mother. Please go visit my son. We get a lot of those. Sometimes the son will actually visit with us. Often they won't. Uh, but this other guy, it's a good, good brother in Christ, named Gary, went to see this man. And he came back a little while later. And Gary was just excited because uh, this man initially told the deputy, no, nah, I don't want to see a chaplain when he got called in his cell. And the deputy uh, 
said, he came all the way out here to see you. The least you could do is come out and speak to him. God uses deputies all the time. <laughs> he came out. Arrogant, proud, what do you want? And Gary, in his gentle spirit, said, I just want to see how you're doing. I just want to see if you're okay. And a conversation started. First with the guy just absolutely rejecting anything to do with spiritual things, ending with him humbly bowing his head to receive Christ. Uh, it was a long conversation, talking through the crack in the door because the other room was busy. So, of course, Gary was pretty excited and happy when he came back, and I saw him a little later. And he, one of the things that he was so amazed at is how God would use him in that way, that he'd be allowed to do that, that God would use somebody that was so uh, without qualification and skill uh, to introduce someone to the Savior and eternal life. And we were, I started talking with him about that, and we were both just rejoicing in the Lord. And then my mouth took over, and I said, yeah, if I was God, I wouldn't have hired me. Uh, and, you know, he smiled. But as soon as that got out of my mouth, uh, I was convicted in my spirit. And I stopped, because it wasn't funny to me anymore. I started thinking about that and realized that I was committing a same, the same sin Adam committed in the Garden of Eden. I was placing myself above God. That you know, God chose me. He picked me. If we, nobody comes if he doesn't call, right? Well, he called me. And he's directed uh, Betty and I into this ministry. And here I am saying I wouldn't have done that. Well, who do I think I am that I would tell God he's wrong and that I, you know, he was wrong in selecting the likes of me. And 1 Corinthians chapter 1 came to mind where it says God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And he picks the base things. And he picks the things that are not to put away the things that are. And I had to apologize to the Lord, ask his forgiveness for the insidious way my pride and my flesh tries to exalt me. That's exactly what was going on. God's word matters. I don't know if he would have succeeded in convicting me that way if I hadn't spent months seeing his holiness and his righteousness and the value of God's word. Uh, the... Uh, the Women's Bible Study Fellowship, they keep lowering the age. Babies that they have to carry in, in there now. And I said, what do they do with them? You know, <laughs> What's next? Embryos for Christ? Uh, but they'll, the, some of the ladies will hold these babies and they'll, they'll open a Bible and uh, they'll present... Uh, they present it to this little baby as God's holy word. And they put their hands on it. And I'm smart off. I say, yeah, and then they tear the pages out, right? They don't do that. They just lay their hands on it. 
They're building in a reverence for the word of God. This little tiny baby. How necessary is that in our lives? A reverence for the word of God. The scripture says forever thy word is settled in heaven. That's eternal word. How important is it for me to view it that way, to embrace it that way? Are there things that don't directly apply to me and the church today in there? Absolutely. Ceremonial law doesn't. But there are examples in it that I can learn from. The kids last night at Saturday Night Young People's, uh, I asked them, what do you think God prefers, a bath or a shower? And they start scratching their head. Most of us like showers, so they're going to say shower. Well, he talks about cleaning with running water, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, a body, a human body cleaning. Uh, and they ask if uh, they thought that he uh, liked the smell of a barbecue. And uh, they all liked the smell of a barbecue, but they weren't so sure whether God did or not. But yet, they, when they sacrificed a bowl, it was a sweet smelling savor to the Lord, even though there's a spiritual aspect to the sweetness of that. Uh, so that wasn't real good applications necessarily of God's word, but it brought other things, it laid the foundation to talk about other things about God's word that mattered more directly to us. How important it is to revere God's word and to know it. Uh, frequently during the course of the year, something that I had just studied, applied directly to a conversation I had with a staff member or an inmate. Matter of fact, the, uh, the, the God's word uh, in, the, in the sacrifices, have you ever labored through Leviticus? It's Leviticus numbers, you know, lots of repetition in there. There's a reason for repetition. It's important. God wants us to remember. Uh, and, but sacrifices, we don't have to sacrifice. We had a sacrifice. But then if it's something that's in my mind and I'm beginning to grasp what God's teaching about the coming of Jesus Christ, and that life is in the blood and the horror of this, think about the numbers that took place back then. It's like a, just something horrific going on during these sacrifices. And it was horrific at the cross. And then you get somebody who says, you know, I don't get why Jesus had to die. I don't get this, or I don't get that. And you say, well, God laid this down from thousands of years before. That life is in the blood, and that sin has a price. And that price is going to be death. Death pays for sin. And it just opens the door up to the gospel. This man, uh, Danny, that wanted non-pork diet, um, it opened the door for him to comprehend that these laws were laid down to prepare us for the coming Messiah, to proclaim to the world that God is a holy God and he requires payment for sin. 
But he says after all those years of that, those, those animal sacrifices that the blood of go, bulls and goats will in no wise pay for sin. It's not going to do it. But it got the thinking conditioned. And then Jesus Christ came and paid for that sin. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That you can't earn your way. You can't obey the law and get into heaven. You can't obey the law to get your sins forgiven. It only can be paid for by putting our faith and trust. Well, actually, it was paid for whether we put our faith and trust in Christ or not. We just don't get the benefit of it if we don't put our faith and trust in Christ. God hasn't changed. How he communicates with us has changed. But God has not changed. He's just as holy as he ever was, just as righteous as he ever was, just as pure as he ever was. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. God sent his only begotten son to earth to pay for our sin. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when he says, and it says in the Old Testament and the New Testament, be ye holy, for I am holy. You get that in Peter. Peter. Peter saying, be ye holy, for I am holy. That is the cry to the church, surely as much as it was to Israel. How do people know there's a difference between us and anybody else walking the face of this earth? When I say us, I'm talking about people that have received Christ. If you're here and you haven't received Christ, please talk to one of us before you leave here today because you don't know how long you're going to walk this earth. And if today is the last day, you're going to face an almighty, holy, pure, perfectly righteous God. And you won't have anything to say because there's only one thing to say, and that's I belong to Jesus Christ. He's not going to ask you the question. He knows. He's preserved his word for our benefit, but he desires that we are obedient to it. You know, I, uh, one of the ways of obedience is to remember the things he prompts you to do and so I confess my sin. There's an envelope back where I sat this morning with the breaking of bread. And uh, in that envelope is something I wanted to read to all of you. So <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, we're going to have...
more time with the ministry tonight. Magdy gave me uh, gave me this. Apparently, came in with a Bible study. That's a that's an enrollment form for Child Evangelism Fellowship, an inmate enrolling the children. Uh, 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, and 11-year-old in this case, and uh, often it's a 4-year-old, 5-year-old. <laughs> we get a report on how many of these have gone in recently. It's a lot. That fits right in with Deuteronomy 6, teaching our family, teaching our sons and daughters, and walking in holiness before the Lord. It's hard for children to be desirous of following the Lord, following the Lord, when Dad doesn't do it, when he's just a regular guy, might be a nice guy, but if he's not consciously living for Christ, and what does it say? Talking about these things, when you sit down, when you stand up, when you lie in your bed, all the time, when you walk in the way. This is the key subject. God's word. You can't do that if you don't know it. Well, this last uh, Saturday morning, just yesterday morning, uh, we sang a song at the uh, Bible Study Fellowship Leaders Meeting. Uh, and I'd never sung the song before. Matter of fact, we sang two I'd never sung before, and that was a misery because we don't sound so good and we don't know it. But this one really struck me. Because it's talking about how God's written word is magnifying the living word. And it does that. Uh, God's word ought to be precious to us. Even those little babies are learning. It's God's holy word. So your reverence is holy word. Maybe, maybe all of you know it, but it was new to me. Uh, it's called Ancient Words. Anybody know Ancient Words, the song? Oh, there we got one. I'd never heard of it before, but it's, it's a beautiful song. I'm not going to try to sing it, but it goes like this. Holy words long preserved for our walk in this world. They resound with God's own heart. Oh, let the ancient words impart words of life, words of hope. Give us strength, give us hope. In this world, where'er we roam, ancient words will guide us home. Ancient words ever true, changing me, changing you. We have come with open hearts. Oh, let the ancient words impart holy words of our faith handed down to this age came to us through sacrifice. Oh, heed the faithful words of Christ, ancient words ever true, changing me, changing you. We have come with open hearts. Oh, let the ancient words impart. Martyr's blood stains each page. They have died for this faith. Hear them cry through the years. Heed these words and hold them dear. Ancient words ever true, changing me, 
changing you. We have come with open hearts. Oh, let the ancient words impart. That's a good message. To let God's word resonate in my heart. To read it, to memorize it, to meditate on it. And even as it says, change me. So that's the only thing that's going to change me. My willpower isn't going to change me, but God's word will. And make me one that he can use in the lives of others. Within my family, within those that are free outside my family, and with those inside the jail. So it's going to make a difference is the difference that he's made in me so that what comes out of my mouth is credibility. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, uh, your living word, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and for your written word that you have preserved Oh, these thousands of years since you began to have it written down. You are an awesome God. Capable of anything. Nothing is impossible for you. So we thank you for the way you preserved your word and delivered it to us. How your Holy Spirit ministers it to us. The power that we see it has to change our own lives and to change the lives of others. How it directs us to praise and worship of our Savior. We thank you. We thank you for it. We thank you for him. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and for this time we've had together. In Jesus' name, amen.